Celtics Reddit podcast presented by CelticsLife.com. My name is Ben Ballas. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Nice, juicy, meaty show for you guys today. A lot has happened this week. The Celtics dropped two close ones to the Sixers in Philly, then decisive back-to-back wins against the Cavs and the Bulls. Kemba is looking like his old self. Jalen is looking like his new self, and Tatum and Time Lord are also back. Lots to get to. We have almost the whole gang here today. Joe's going to join us, hopefully a little bit later. We've also got Jackson, a.k.a. Rickman Lives. Welcome back, Jackson. How's things? Good, man. Good. Very hot in this part of the world, which probably Larbert is not suffering through, but you and I, geez, man. It's just sweltering. Yeah. <laughs> All of us on the podcast were either all really hot or really cold. There's, there's no happy medium, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, we've also got the man, the myth himself, Larbert33. Larbert, thanks for staying up late for us, mate. How you doing? Good. You know, it's 1 a.m. here in Seattle. So if I pass out, just go on without me. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) The dedication is real. All right. Look, so like I said up the top there, lots to get to today. And we may as well start with the news of the day. The Celtics defeat the Bulls 119 to 103 in a game where they looked completely in control from start to finish. Tatum looked pretty good. His first game back in 17 days. La Bird, in an effort to keep you awake, we'll go to you first, try and keep you engaged here. Impressions of Tatum and, and just the game overall? Uh, as far as Tatum's concerned, uh, it, was, it was good to see him pretty much pick up right where he left off. Uh, I, I know we, we talked to him in a previous podcast, I guess some, I think it was, I think it was Joe that mentioned, or it might have been you, Jackson, I, I forget, but one of you mentioned that in, in soccer, some of the folks that came back from COVID were shadows of themselves and Luckily, that hasn't happened in the NBA, and, and that was the only concern I had is that maybe he'd show up and be rusty again, and shot 50%, played well. It's good to see. It's exciting. Yeah, well, I think he came and hit, hit his first three shots, and I was expecting, um, you know, it's kind of become characteristic of Tatum to maybe, like, start games slow or, um, you know, get off to a slow start and then come hot sometime, like, the second or third quarter. That that wasn't the case at all. He came out of the gate, uh, hit his first three shots, and I just thought, yeah, sweet. He's, it hasn't <laughs> affected him at all. So, um, that was super encouraging. Um, yeah, o- overall, I found it was a pretty uninspiring game. I felt like we were in control, like, most of the time. Like, even when the Bulls, even if we had, like, a 12, 15-point lead and the Bulls got it back to a single possession, there was never any point where I was like, yeah, no, we're, we're in trouble here. You know, Zach Levine can't beat us on his own, you know, try as he might. Um, but yeah, no, uh, good showing overall. Very, uh, very encouraged, particularly with the points that we're putting up after, um, you know, struggling to score in a couple of games prior to this. So that's encouraging to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got a, a relevant post here. So this is posted by Horseshoe Overlook. Uh, I think it was originally reported by Sean Grande. The Celtics go from 13th to 7th in scoring margin and net rating. Uh, so uh, we're eighth in offensive rating. This is after, obviously, the the huge win against the Cavs and today against the Bulls. Eighth in offensive rating, 13th in defensive rating, but the difference between 16th and 5th in defensive rating is just two points overall. Um, we'll get to the assists stuff later, but basically we've had this like statistical correction with these two massive wins in the last two days. Other than that, like nothing particularly remarkable. Tatum's return was the thing to look for today, and he didn't really look like he lost that much of a step. I think he shot one air ball at one point <laughs> during the game, um, but ultimately looked in control. Uh, so Tatum shot 10 of 21, 47.6% from the floor in 31 minutes. Another Celtic on the floor today also shot 10 of 21 from the floor in just 29 minutes. Can you guys guess who that was? Any takers? Carson Edwards. 
<laughs> no. Jesus. <laughs> Someone else go. Jalen Brown continuing it. It was Jalen Brown, absolutely. And, of course. And like, I don't want to just like sort of brush over the Tatum stuff because it's good to have him back. And there are a lot of good things to take away from from both these games and the Sixers games, which has happened since our last podcast. Um, but Jalen Brown, probably the biggest story for the Celtics this past week. Just going to just uh, dangle some stats for you guys here. So the last four games, 31.8 points per game, 53% from the floor, 52% from three, five and a half rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.3 steals. Uh, and unfortunately, 2.5 turnovers, although that could be because his usage rate was a tickle under 40%. Guys, can we, can we just collectively gush over Jalen Brown here? Who, who wants to go first? I feel like we should take turns here. I'll, I'll, I'll start because I think that was a couple episodes ago I said, you know, there's a world where Jalen Brown might be the best player in this team, not J- Jason Tatum. I didn't believe it. I was just the kind world of where um, Tatum gets COVID and goes out yeah, for 17 yeah. days. <laughs> I think we're living in that world just at the moment. I think long term, uh, probably even by the end of the season, um, that won't be the case. But um, now nah, Jalen Brown is has some sort of vendetta going on. Not only to get into an All Star game, but maybe even getting an All NBA All NBA team. Like he's just on fire, and he is. You know, even though we had a bit of a rotten record with Tatum out, you know, it wasn't as if Jalen looked like he was you know overawed or didn't look like he could couldn't step up to the plate you know his his shooting is incredible his decision making is excellent you know he's it's that stage where if he shoots the ball i'm completely expecting it to go in and when it misses i'm, I'm shocked um he's, he's just playing out of his mind at the moment and it's we're just we're so spoiled to have these two guys you know there was so much said about you know um yeah are we happy with these two guys as you know as our cornerstones as our as our team basically and you know we all wanted to believe it i think we're all like yeah yeah no these guys would be great but i think you know i might not be speaking for everybody here but I, there's a little bit of trepidation is like you know are we really as good as like you know the big you know one two combinations lebron ad um you know Kyrie, uh, Harden, Durant, that's three. But you know what I mean. Um, Jalen Brown's (laughs) play at the moment is proving that that is completely... We're not on that level yet, but we are definitely getting there. And, and I would, and I would have Jalen Brown in any team at the moment. Now he's just, he's just on an absolute tear. And it's, and I'm, is that enough gushing? I feel like I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really interesting to watch those five games that he played without Tatum because that was really our first chance to see him without any real star help alongside of him. Kemba, of course, came back later um, in that little stretch, but he was on a minute restriction. But I mean, even last year when Tatum was out or when Brown, you know, when uh, when Kemba was out or Hayward was out, there was always at least one or two other stars there. So I was excited to see what he would do. And I mean, it just shows his growth. I mean, he, he really didn't miss a step either as far as his efficiency was still that was my biggest takeaway is those first couple of games. I was a little surprised he didn't kind of step up more in, and not to say that he was bad in any way. I just mean that I thought that he might be like, okay, I'm running the show now. Let's run the ball from through me. And for those first couple of games, that wasn't really the case. He pretty much just kept playing within the system, kept letting the ball come to him. Um, you know, he does certain things very, very well. He's able to attack the basket. He's able to find space. And he's a you know, split-second decision maker, but it wasn't really like, hey, let me let me kind of change my role. He didn't change his role at all. It seemed he just kind of kept playing within the system. And then the last couple games, of course, you know, he was just couldn't be stopped. You know, forty plus points, and then thirty, you know, a record 30, 33 points in nineteen minutes. It was just like he couldn't be stopped. So I thought it was awesome. I mean, like it, I went into it saying I, I think he'll probably average like thirty plus 
um, because there's nobody else. And he averaged through his five games like 29.7. It was basically exactly 30. Um, it, pretty much anything you wanted to see from him, we got to see, which was really cool. Yeah, so efficient and like efficient in terms of screen time as well. Like watching the game and Jalen Brown gets the ball and he's in and out of your life felt like in a matter of like less than five seconds, right? He just, in terms of dribbles made, moves made to, to get from catching the ball to scoring, um, so quick. Like, so just overall efficiency was really impressive. Um, this is also this stretch here finally brought his plus minus into positive figures. Like he's on off court. So he's now at a plus 1.8. I know he was sort of significantly in the in the negatives there for a little while. And, and La Bird, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a post to Celtics Reddit by you basically highlighting that fact that like, well, hang on, like the numbers don't necessarily back up the the fandom um, for, for Jalen Brown in terms of his, of his effectiveness <laughs> on the court versus off the court. Got don't little, attribute uh, that to me. I, did, I didn't make that post. I'm the, I am the biggest fan of Jalen Brown. No, I think sorry, I was sorry, telling no. you. I, I know. I, actually, that, that wasn't from me. <laughs> it's funny. I can't say anything in regards to Brown that's even slightly negative because a half of the subreddit will attack me. But um, please, please correct no, me. I, I think I, I think no. I think I think I was telling you that I was reading a, a post from a user by the name of Moranis on on Celtics uh, Strong, which is a different forum, and he mm-hmm. had made a very compelling case. Uh, I mean, he made a very elaborate case that he doesn't think Brown's a positive, which is I, I honestly think is ridiculous. But his whole case was just around the idea that um, the plus minus. I don't personally believe that. I think that the guy. It's the same with Kemba, actually. Kemba has actually not been really big in plus-minus either, but both of those guys are obviously star-level players. Um, yeah, don't attribute that with me because I'll just get an endless flack. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I've been trying say, to stay consistently me. positive <laughs> on the brown end for the last couple of years. It's people out there sharpening their knives right now. Put the, put the weapons down, people. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of bad. It was someone else on, on some other forum. Um, but yeah, regardless, he's, he's plus minus, he's, he's on off-court figures are now in his favor. So he's now technically a, a net positive while he's on the floor, which it's surprising that it's taken this long this season, you know, considering the numbers that he's put up for that to statistically occur. But um, that, that's now the case. Uh, I'm going to dangle some more spicy Jalen stats for you guys before we move on. So in the last four games, 66.7 on catch and shoot threes, 74% on field goals within... 10 feet of the hoop. So that's those like sort of inside free throw line pull-ups uh, and obviously within 10 feet of so layups, dunks, etc. Uh, and maybe one of the most illuminating stats, 71.4% on shots after seven or more dribbles. If we think about, you know, a, a negative characteristic of Jalen Brown in the seasons prior to this, it's always been his handle. And you think any possession that included Jalen Brown dribbling seven or more times, inevitably it's going to end up in a turnover. Suddenly, it's 71.4% of the time ending up in a bucket, which is just insane. And I think really highlights the improvement he's made there. Did you, yep. guys, watch, uh, <laughs> did you guys watch the post game? I guess you can't see the post game out there for NBC Sports. Um, no. Because no. I think Scal, Scal was mentioning things like he, he, he's like kind of tentative still and, and like, a, you know, anointing Brown as, as that all NBA or you know, that, that level of player, because he wants to see Classic. him do it against the big teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, but like, like you just said, everything that we, we want to see from him, he can create his own shot. I think we talked about in a previous podcast that like between him and Tatum, if you're going to compare one thing, it does still seem like Tatum's still trying to figure out what to do when he has the ball. 
kind of like, okay, I have all these powers, which one should I use? And with Brown, it's just like he knows exactly what he wants to do the second he gets the ball. Um, and so, yeah, seeing those games without the support of having other stars alongside him, it was really interesting. I mean, I was I was really impressed. It's really cool to see him be able to do that stuff without anyone else. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it changes my perception of this team heading forward to a certain extent, because I do think that we have two guys who might be all NBA level players. So when you talk about the teams like the Nets, you know, can we stack up against them in the long run once we go to playoffs? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, these guys keep playing like this. Yeah, we have two of the best and brightest players in the league. It's been beaten to death as well, too. But like, you know, so young as well. You know, there's, there's, if this is like what the first we're seeing of like, you know, all NBA level from Jalen Brown. Like, you know, what's, what are we, what's he going to look like in three years time? What are they both going to look like in three years time? You know, it's, it's nothing but good stuff at the moment. Yeah, well, it was a wild ride this past, I guess, 17 days with, with Jalen Brown and what he was able to to demonstrate on the court there. Well, I was going to get to the Kemba stuff a little bit later, but now seems like the right time. It, the comparison to the Nets' big three, like, do we kind of have a big three? A big three is maybe the wrong word to use, but there there are some similarities, you know, obviously with comparing to, to um, how am I drawing a mental brand here? Kevin Durant, obviously, uh, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Uh, only one of those guys plays defense, and that's where I think we we get some points back in terms of the effectiveness of our big three against them. Obviously, Jalen Brown and, and Tatum uh, are very active and um, and effective defenders. Kemba Walker is tiny; he's going to get exploited, especially in playoff matchups. But he is an active defender. Yeah, I think he was close to, if not led the league in tra- charges drawn last year. I'm probably completely wrong there, but he, I think he was close. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, are we are we? Closer than maybe a lot of fans think in terms of competing with it with a team like the Nets. It's it's hard to say. Like I mean, the one thing that comes to mind when I think of the Nets is I, you would probably say Durant the, is the number one. If you had to like you know create a hierarchy, you know you'd have to say Durant is number one. I don't know who the number two yeah. is. Is it Kyrie or is it, is it James Harden? I don't know. If they can figure that out and they can get their own you know system or understanding of who to go to in what situation, then you know we could be in trouble because I think if you just compare the three talents that they have versus the three talents that we have, our big three versus their big three, as you put it, um, we could be in trouble. Um, I think we're a lot more defined in, in our hierarchy. You know, it's very much, it's Tatum number one, it's Brown number two, it's Kemba number three. And it probably goes that way in, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, defensive efficiency as well too. So we probably have a lot, I think systematically, we're probably a lot more sound than they are. I think, you know, Brad Stevens is probably a much better coach than Steve Nash. But I, I think we're, the thing I want to see then from the, mo- the Nets the most, I guess, is just how it's going to like turn out in the playoffs. You know, th- these guys can deliver, you know, maybe not Harden, you know, Harden hasn't proven it yet, but, um, you know, I, I still think we're probably not quite there yet, but I think it's probably closer than people think. And given like what we're seeing from the, from our guys now at this stage of the season, you know, towards the end of it, you know, who knows? Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, Brooklyn, it's been kind of a mixed bag with them so far, which is great to see. <laughs> I would be really kind of bummed if they just hit the ground running and were dominating everyone. And they're not really right now. There's still mm-hmm. still questions about their defense. And just like you said, Jackson, I think that their three pieces, although they're extremely talented, I don't think they really fit on paper as far as uh, their skill sets. They're all kind of ball dominant players, although Durant can do anything. But with our team, like I do think that, yeah, I do think it's a big three. I think we have a big three. I think Tatum's already an All NBA player. Brown is clearly on a path to, at the very least, be an All Star this uh, this year. Kemba's coming off an All Star season, so sure, that's a big three. 
And I do think that they, at least in the case of Brown and Tatum, I think they complement each other extremely well. I still have some questions about what this team looks like this season once Kemba's going 100% and he's getting all of his minutes. Just because it might work out great. There, there might be able to do things that like work out brilliantly. Um, you know, maybe Kemba attacks a basket and he has the options of Tatum and Brown as kickouts. And maybe you have Brown attack the basket and you have those guys. I mean, it might work out great. But Kemba is a ball dominant player. And uh, Tatum and Brown are the guys that we want to have the ball in the hands of right now. So mm-hmm. just it's that that is my biggest question is can Kemba play off the ball effectively? Is Because I don't know if really that's really his thing normally he's usually the guy that is you know getting screen set for him and tacking the basket and that kind of thing so uh yeah i mean that's the only thing i just want to see how those three really mesh over time but we we clearly that that's a big three they're all star caliber players yeah thank thank you for bringing it back around to kemba because we went off on this tangent of comparing ourselves to the nets and that's my fault i i did that but the, the reason i wanted to to bring up big three and comparing three to three is because of Kemba Walker, which is, is he's come back. He's, he's played a week with the team now. And unfortunately we haven't had a chance to see him play with both Jays, but um, like focusing on Kemba for a minute, like he has looked pretty good. Right. Am I, am I wrong? Like he, he physically, he looks, I'm just going to say it like a hundred percent healed. He looks quick. He looks agile. He looks like he's moving without any any pain or um inhibited by you know any sort of um affliction of the knee or otherwise um is is that fair to say yeah yeah on the sample size i've had so far he looks you know sprightly for lack of a better word you know you'd hope that like an injury layoff of that time would have been they would have given him that much time off to let the knee heal fully or to heal whatever, like, you know, he's ailing him to, you know, fully pass over. So, um, you know, that's certainly a relief. He hasn't looked, you know, particularly rusty so far. The shooting's been quite good and he has looked quick. So, you know, I think the more he gets settled in, the more, you know, he, and like you said, when he does get a chance to play with both Jalen and Jason, um, you know, going forward, then we'll get a re- we'll get a better idea of like how our, our big three stacks up. But I think um, I, I think he's probably an underrated part of you know how this team will operate because you know obviously we all, all eyes are on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at the moment. But I think Kemba's probably a very very key piece to that. And if he's at a hundred percent, then yeah, I, I think the sky's the limit. Yeah, well, look, Joe yep. uh, has just joined us. And like we said in the intro, he may well join us uh, amidst the podcast. <laughs> um, Joe, we're just talking about the return of Campbell Walker, the return of Jason Tatum, uh, and the fact that Jalen Brown has been like balling his ass off for the last you know, 17 days while, while Tatum has been out. How do you see those three fitting together? And do you think that they can compete with the big three like the Brooklyn Nets at this point in time? Um, I think a lot of that stuff comes, you know, a lot of that stuff must come down to the sort of personal dynamics between the three players. Um, and um, I guess, and the points at the, at the career that they're at, you know, and, and um, if you, if you kind of kind of contrast it to Brooklyn, Kimber, Kimber's never sort of had the, I guess the, he's never had the same status as, as Kyrie Irving. Um, Back when Kyrie was playing for us, we thought he was better than Kimber, right? You know, there's not the same, and Kimber's a different personality again, right? So I feel like I feel like Kimber um, will be able to accept a slightly lesser role. Um, the um, I guess the other thing, you know, relative to other big threes, is that two of the three are, are plus defenders, 
Um, so it means that, and, and you know, whereas in, in, say, the Brooklyn case, right, you've only got one of them being a plus defender. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be judged on wins and losses and how they fit together defensively is actually a really huge part of that and, and often isn't maybe thought about. Um, so I guess I'm kind of optimistic. I guess I see it more as, a, as it's probably going to be like a big 2.75. Um, although Kemba's, <laughs> Kemba's looked really, really great. He has looked great. I still stand by my comments. I, I don't expect Kemba's long-term health to be good, but it's great that he's playing well, and um, he's still class. He's still a class player. Um, I think Kemba's also got a more accommodating personality than, than it seems. It seems, right? We're, we're all like, we're all just kind of armchair. Um, we're just guessing, eh? It's like trying to understand. It's like arguing about, like, um, the moral, you know, um, virtues of your favorite soap opera character, right? You know, like we don't actually know what Kemba's like, but by all accounts, he's a good fella, good fella, and and um, I don't think it's hostile to the success of of uh, of the younger two. Um, if you know, sometimes you watch the games, you think, man, Smart might be more of a threat to the chemistry here. Hey, he's been he's Smart's been. Pretty aggressive offensively, so uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit of a rant to kick us off. Um, sorry to ruin the vibe here, guys. No, nah, no, man. that's what we needed. Off the bench, yeah, you're contributing already. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. <it's>... Hey. <laughs> hey, that's what I do. That's what I do, fellas. The New Zealand correspondent bringing, bringing the heat off the bench. <laughs> I love it. Uh, La Bert, I kind of jumped in on you earlier there. Um, I, you know, I is it's still. I feel we're still trying to figure out what this team is. I feel like, and it's going to be a while. The ceiling on this team is still kind of unknown because we haven't seen him. Like, like Joe, yeah, like you know, like Joe just said, like Marcus Smart, he can be an extremely plus defender. And tonight he had eleven assists. Sometimes he can go a little uh, overboard with the shots, but he's an incredible role player in the right role. And if everything starts clicking, you know, he, it's almost like a you said a big. Uh, 2.75 and maybe smart pushes over you know a big 3.5 because yeah. it's like you get the, you get all these guys that if it's if it's working it's we could we could definitely threaten to get to the finals this season so it's just it's the bench pieces it's like who's going to step off off the bench and become a key role and then all sorts of other things like you know are we going to use the tpe to add to this team mid-season we might look at their starting lineup at the end of the season and it might be completely different than what we expected because right now it's where I'm still not even clear if, if Smart's going to be our starting shooting guard. Is he going to be starting next to Kemba? Is Smart going to come off the bench? We can have two bigs. It's so unclear. So I, I like all the positive signs. It's just still it's, it's a puzzle trying to figure out how this is all going to work. And if it works, we can be super dangerous. We can certainly score a lot. We can, you know, we can really score a lot. Um, I think staggering of minutes is going to be pretty key. And um, for all the, you know, I feel like Brad Stevens, you know, we've had him for seven years now. We've been married seven years, and we're, 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 we're probably a little more attuned to the minuses sometimes than the pluses. But one thing he does do is he does stagger minutes, right? Like, there's never been an issue with that. Um, he's always made sure that there's mm-hmm. ample, um, I guess, coverage um, from, uh, from his star players. I know the Bulls aren't one of the best teams in the league, but I just felt so, like, at ease. You know, with Tatum back on the court, like, everything's going to be all right <laughs> kind of thing. And it was nice. It was a nice feeling. And I know that the Jalen uh, ride has been uh, a wild one and interesting. And, and, like, part of what makes it such a good thing is, like, oh, like, he he is this good. That's, that's great. It's like we know Tatum is that, is that good and it's not a surprise. And he's back. And the, the fact that he's been away for 17 days 
didn't appear to be too impactful in terms of his performance. As Reddit user Backlow Forever wrote, a bench looked so much better with Tatum running the floor. Jeff Teague, on the other hand, oh. is just dot, dot, dot. Mm. <laughs> I wish Peyton Pritchard comes back soon. The two things there, the Peyton Pritchard injury, just a strain MCL, which is awesome. I don't know if you guys saw the footage. I'll, I'll say it again. I say it, it seems like every podcast. I am a, a long time, many time knee injury sufferer. And watching Peyton Pritchard uh, incur that injury was brutal. It looked like it was over for him for the season. Strain MCL is, is very good news. Um, but just your thoughts in general, guys, on, on Jeff Teague um, and the Peyton Pritchard situation in comparison, I suppose. Well, we're starting to see Carson Edwards get significant minutes. So you got to think that that's somewhat related to, you know, Teague's form and whatnot. You know, for, for me, it's just like, you know, I, I just find it remarkable that he seems to be like quite solid and quite remarkable taking threes, but any kind of floater or any kind of shot inside the paint or in and around the paint, I would bet my house on it not going in. Um, you know, he's, it, it, it's not, he's not the, the guy we probably want to be, you know, the backup point guard or like, you know, dictating the play. You know, he's, he's looked fine. He's looked serviceable in places, but, you know, it's like serviceable isn't, doesn't really do it for anybody these days, you know, and what we could saw from Peyton Pritchard, probably more the fact that, you know, Jeff Teague is this, you know, this former all-star, you know, veteran journeyman that we got in, you know, I, I don't even remember like him getting announced. I saw some tweet from some guy saying he was going to get signed and then he just like was <laughs> there on the team. Like, I feel like the Celtics didn't even announce him. I was like, yeah, yeah, he's just like bringing him in through the back door. Whereas Peyton Pritchard, you know, it, it was... You know, there was a novelty to it. And then when he bowled out, you know, and was showing how what he was showing, it was like everyone became excited. So now that he's gone down, you know, the the the, the comparison or the difference in attitude between the two is even more um, comparable. But like as far as T goes, you know, I'm not like, you know, I have, I'm not totally out on him yet. But, you know, he certainly doesn't, you know, inspire, you know, much confidence from me when he's on the court. That's for sure. I guess the main positive is he's shooting 43% from three. So mm. that was kind of the main positive with Wanamaker also is that he actually was a sneaky, very efficient three-point shooter. So he's filling that Wanamaker role. And then the other thing is that uh, we, we kind of talked about it a bit in the last episode, but his plus minus is good. But that's where you have to take that stuff into context because is his plus minus good because he comes in when we break up that double big lineup, and which is terrible. Mm. I mean, that, that <laughs> impacts that. So, it, I mean, yeah, I don't... Uh, I really do think that he would be at the bottom of our point guard depth chart. Um, not the bottom, but behind Kemba, maybe Smart as a backup, and then uh, Pritchard come later in the season. Then, then you'd have Teague after uh, all three of them. But not really high or low on him because I don't really see him as really anything other than kind of that Wanamaker replacement. I don't like Teague. <laughs> I'm all the way out on Teague. I hate ball hog. Uh, point guards. There's been so many positions where he's sort of, you know, he might gnash his way, uh, you know, uh, do a drive and gnash his way back out and then nothing happens. And then he tries, you know how often his shot gets blocked? Have you guys noticed that? Have you noticed how flat his release is? The guy's shot gets blocked all yeah. the time because his technique sucks. Like, it's just, it's just not, it's, you can't shoot like that in the NBA, you know? Um, Teague, like, there's this ball hog percentage stat that um, the uh, this guy called Cringes McBasketball. Um, what is he does the the, the Laker p- fan? Pippen, yeah, he's a Laker fan. Um, he <laughs> is he 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 and this other guy called Jacob Jacob Goldstein started the stat site. But anyway, he just tweeted today about this like ball hog percentage stat, which is sort of the amount of time you have the ball when you're on the floor relative to the other five players who are on the floor at the same time. And um and and I really want to look at that stat to corroborate 
my a priori <laughs> assumption that Jeff Ball, Jeff Teague has got to be way up there for this season, man. It just seems like he dribbles it so much when he gets it. I can't stand it. Anyway, in rant two. <laughs> it's called the hog rate. I'm just looking at the so that the, the website is the basketball index and yeah. they have a, a stat called the hog rate. Um I don't have time to pause and, and, and dive into the, the Jeff Teague hog rate, but um it's there, listeners. If you want to go Google it and report back to us, check out the Jeff Teague hog rate on basketball index and, and let us know. Um Where did I want to go with this? I, I suppose to, to just wrap this little Teague segment up, is is it safe to say that Peyton Pritchard is is going to take all the Teague minutes or the majority of them once he comes back from his injury? Yeah, we got we gotta gotta hope that the stuff he showed at the early part of the season is legit. I mean, they started kind of game planning for him a little bit, but didn't seem to uh, stop Pritchard too much. So, yeah, we got to hope that um, once we get deeper into season, he comes back, he'll be right back where he was and making a major impact. He's decisive. I like decisive players, man. That's why he's good, right? It's precisely because that's such an awesome quality in a player. And um, and incidentally, by the way, it's one of the things, it's one of Marcus Smart's sort of saving graces, right, is that if he catches the ball, he's going to shoot that. He's going to shoot it, right, you know? And, it, and, and it's, you know, it's been sort of well documented that people guard him like he's a way better shooter than he is. And decisiveness has that impact on a, has that effect when you're playing a game. Yeah, yeah interesting. Well, look. You mentioned decisiveness, and, and we talked about the big three earlier. Can we possibly talk about a big four? I want to talk about Aaron Neesmith. I want to talk about <laughs> Larbird33 buying all the stock up on, on Aaron Neesmith when it was basically penny stocks, super low, no interest at all. Uh, and now, like Bitcoin, kind of, it's beginning to soar. It's, it's beginning to become uh, a bit of a, a cult hit. So, rocket ships, uh, rocket ship uh, emojis. I'm excited. <laughs> game, like game SpaceX stock. over here. Like games, yeah. is it GameStop? Larbird bets. Larbird exactly. Bets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm excited, Ben. I think it's great. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that people are surprised. I, I think that's the thing that it, I think I'm, I'm surprised that people are surprised because we took this guy as a lottery pick, and all the stuff coming, you know, out of that draft is that he was widely seen as the best shooter in the draft. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that people would be like 30 minutes into his NBA career saying he's a bust. Like he hadn't played NBA basketball or he hadn't played any NBA, NBA basketball. He hadn't played really competitive basketball for like a year because his college tenure ended early January 2020. And then because of COVID, we didn't have the summer league. We didn't have a preseason. We had our shortened, you know, practice time. So yeah, I mean, he's going to, he's going to suck out of the gate. He's trying to figure things out. He's the youngest player on the team. But we had to assume he could shoot, and now we're starting to see it. So last couple games, he's gone seven from uh, seven for eleven, thirty-six minutes, twenty points, seven rebounds. Looks pretty good. Last couple games, gotta hope he keeps it up. Uh, and yeah, my stock is way up. It's eighty-five percent up. I think. I'm, I'm, I'm a basket billionaire. Don't cash now. it in just yet. Don't cash. I think it's just going to continue to rise. To rise there, um, Jackson and Joe. Um, Jackson, we'll come to you in a second. Joe, I feel like I don't want to say that you were low on Aaron Neesmith at any point, but uh, you're kind of the the uh, resident um, realist, we'll say, on this podcast. Like a lot of us will come out there with like, oh, you know, Tatum is a top five all-time NBA player and you'll, you'll kind of like bring us back down to earth. So do you, do you have like a response there as far as our, you know, how high we are now on, on Neesmith after these two games? I think... Um... 
I think I could almost say the same thing as Larry, but just with a slightly different, I guess, emphasis on it. Um, it's it's likely that he can shoot, right? But he hadn't demonstrated it. And it's not unknown for shooters to come into the NBA and not be able to shoot. Um, RJ Hunter never got it together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Carson Edwards hasn't really been able to get it together. Like, this this does happen. And, and we've all kind of got to zoom out to 10,000 feet here. And, look, if you want to – if you're a betting man, you should bet against literally almost every single prospect except the can't-miss ones, right? And if, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, they're going to fail more often than not. So, um, Neesmith, right, like, it, it would be – it would be fair to say that it would be less of a surprise to me for him to flame out than it would be for him to um, – then it would be for him to carve out a, a, a rotational role in the NBA and, and be a long-term player. That would be less of a surprise. But it's, it is certainly far too early to conclude one way or the other. That's what I agree with, mm. I suppose. Yeah. I, I think people are kind of held prisoner by comparison as well, too. Like, you think about Neesmith, he was pretty much taken around the same number with Romeo Langford, and we've seen, you know, precisely, you know, sweet FA from, from Romeo Langford so far. Yeah. I think everyone wants it to pan out, but it's just it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen that way. And he was kind of outshined by a much later pick that no one was really that high on in Grant Williams, who's now, you know, more or less a part of an important part of the rotation and is deployed very, you know, in, in, in particular moments and is quite effective at times. Again, you see that with Peyton Pritchard, you know, the fact that he came out of the gate and surprised everybody and we're seeing this kind of production and this kind of importance from one of our, you know, one of our rookies, one of our one of our picks. And you compare that against Aaron Neesmith, a guy whose specialty is just, you know, catch and shoot and, and he's meant to be like a flamethrower or whatnot. And if he doesn't hit any first, like, you know, 15 shots or whatever, then everyone's like, ah, oh, you know, it's bullshit, you know, get, get rid of him and whatnot. But yeah, you're right. It, it, it's probably not going to pan out the way we would all like it to pan out. You know, if he's if he becomes Ray Allen, you know, too, or shit, if he becomes <laughs> like a Tyler Hero type, Probably Tyler Harris probably more reserved for Peyton. But, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if his shot does develop and he becomes an important piece, then that's going to be brilliant. But if it doesn't, then, you know, you can't really be that surprised. But, yeah, if people are out on him already, I think that's probably pulling the trigger a little bit a little bit too soon. But um, I think people just see the comparisons probably, well, at least, at least I do, between Langford and, and himself. Until today, until the last couple of days. He's looked okay the last couple of days. Or maybe even more so like James Young, the idea of taking a guy who's kind of a lottery pick and having him never amount to anything. And I get that. I mean, it makes sense. But uh, with Neesmith, there is, you know, he, he looks like he could shoot decent length. Um, the main thing, actually, aside from actually hitting shots, which doesn't really surprise me considering we've heard that he can shoot, uh, it, sound, it looks like he's, he's kind of picking up the, the pace of the game on a defensive end. He seems to actually be yeah. making improvements. So you can, like, visibly see him uh, at least, you know, picking up our defensive system. He still doesn't necessarily... Uh, He's not as quick-footed to keep in front of everyone, but he's making smart plays. And considering he's just starting in his NBA tenure, when I when I say I'm surprised, it's more that I'm surprised that people were ready to give up on him that quickly. Like people were saying, let's trade him for uh, PJ Tucker or something like a 35 year old role player who's got half a season left on his contract. It's like really, you want to give up your lottery pick at this point? Like at least see what he can do. We've seen him for 30 minutes. Like give him a little time. And now he's 100 minutes into his career and he's shooting 35% from three and looks like he can be a decent defender maybe or at least, you know, stay in the game. So yeah, let's see what he looks like in, uh, you know, a couple more months. He might actually be way up that depth chart. You know, we talk about Grant Williams. He actually has 
more minutes the last couple of games than Grant Williams. Of course, that's because we blew out teams. But let's see how he let's see where he lands in the depth chart depth chart come late in the season because he could end up playing a pretty significant role if he can keep it up. Yeah, that's all you can say is let, let's see. You know, let's see. Well, it, it feels good to be back to let's see again because I feel like that's kind of that was the starting point at the beginning of the season, right? Like, okay, let, let's see. Whereas, like, you know, a week ago it was like, well, let's see who we can trade him for. <laughs> uh, Reddit user Cajun Bagot Seven writes, "Lamau, <laughs> LMAO." There were so many assholes <laughs> on Reddit who were disappointed with a rookie who barely played 100 minutes this season. He's going to be good, and he's going to be very important for us. Um, I'm going to say this. So this is not a continuation of that user's quote. Uh, he's going to hit a game-winning shot for us in like game four of the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals. I'm calling it now. It's going to happen. He's, <laughs> he's trending in that direction. He's a very effective shooter. We know he can shoot very well. It's just a matter of his confidence, and his confidence is trending in the right direction. Uh, I'm not going to buy shares. say that I'm buying he's a lot of Smith stock. Chips. <laughs> I know, because I, I can't afford the stock at its current price. But um, if it goes down <laughs> even just a little bit, I'm, I'm jumping on it because I have all the faith in the world that it's going to go right back up again. Um, move on to Marcus Smart. This is a, just a, a sign of how good Aaron Neesmith has been that we, we got to the Neesmith segment before we got to Marcus Smart. But Reddit user Billy Bayer <laughs> posted, shout out to Marcus Smart. And I'm just going to quickly summarize that post. They wrote, just wanted to give a shout out to Marcus Smart, the unofficial captain of the Boston Celtics who played a perfect floor game tonight with 13 and 11 assists, repeatedly finding people and getting guys in their spots as he does when he doesn't have to score due to missing players. And who is, in fact, a great player and not a, quote, unreliable and, quote, not a game changer, as some around here who have no ability whatsoever to gauge talent or ability have claimed over the last few days. That's all. Everyone have a great night. <laughs> Thanks, Billy Baha. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Marcus Smart had a great game. There was no Campbell Walker, but we've seen plenty of Smart without Campbell Walker so far this season. And yet, he I know he, he always takes some boneheaded shots. He definitely took some boneheaded shots tonight against the Bulls, but he did play like a way more pure point guard role. So my, my question to you guys, Joe, we'll go to you because you've, you've only just recently joined us here. Um, Marcus Smart, how is he going to fit in with our big three? How do you see Marcus Smart sort of fitting in am- among those three? Oh, I, I think back to what he really has been, you know, honestly, for the last couple of years, which is a secondary playmaker, totally adequate spot-up shooter and massively impactful defensive player, almost certainly going to be on the floor in the last five minutes. I see I see our best lineup as being probably Kemba, him, Tatum, Brown, and Tice. That's fair. That makes sense. Mm. I mean, the impact on, on smarts, you know, his shots per game, his... Okay, we'll look at it from the fan perspective. The impact on fans' stress levels <laughs> in every single game. Like, How is having our full complement back going to impact that, that part of the fan experience? Yeah. I, personally, if you cut out Marcus Smart's boneheadedness at times and those, those moments where you're like, what are you doing? That's almost like getting rid of a, a really important part of his you know, his demeanor, his personality, his overall game. And that's what makes him kind of so endearing to a degree. Yeah. It's like, you know, you think about, you think about the Warriors, you think about Draymond Green and what everything he brings to that, te- everything he brings to that, to that team and, and, and his overall impact, you know, dude can't really shoot, you know, he'll get you a tech, he'll fight with his teammates. And these are all things that if he didn't have in his game, he would be an overall more net positive. But I'll bet you that anyone who was, you know, a diehard Warriors fan 
would, wouldn't have it any other way. And that's precisely how I feel about Marcus Smart. So if his shooting is getting better and he is finding, you know, he is dropping dimes and, you know, the, the boneheaded plays are kept at a minimum, then that's great. But I kind of would feel like something was wrong if it went like four or five games without him doing something really silly or, or without giving away a, a stupid foul. And it's it's like really, it's counterintuitive or it's, it's counterproductive to, to, to want that and it doesn't make any sense. But, you know, that's that's kind of the intangible that Marcus Smart has about himself and that's why you know i think we all love him so much yeah i would say in the short term he's gonna be huge for us in some capacity um instead of echoing what you guys are saying because i agree with pretty much everything you're saying about his impact on the game just a random wrinkle i've been thinking about for a little bit which is that uh, from a long-term perspective if we're talking about the next few years this is what interests me about smart is that he's under contract this year and next year and then he's probably going to be commanding quite a bit of money and if i'm danny ainge i have to be thinking that i want to align um contracts in a way so that kemba comes off the books at the time when we still have Jalen and uh, tatum under the books and we could potentially go after another star that lines with those two and smart actually might complicate that because if you extend smart you know, and again, this is not even really relevant to what we're talking about right now. It's just something that I keep thinking about as we talk about Pritchard's rise and we talk about, you know, how this will all fit together. I almost think that Smart could be someone who might be moved this season or in the off season, just because if I'm thinking a big long-term strategy thing, if you want to uh, set up the team to potentially bring in someone like Bradley Beal and pair him with Brown and Tatum, then Smart uh, financial thing it might be a complication because he's going to be paid quite a bit and I don't maybe that's not even worth talking about right now it's just something that I've been well, thinking the about the issue for Smart is, is so he, he's always been that guy that has been has, has had that amount of salary that's useful in a trade you know and um, yep. that's well it's going to continue to be the case for the next two years at least so um He's kind of never going to not be at risk of, of being traded, but it would just make me look, you know, being a fan, it's, it's about more than maximizing your chances at winning a championship. You know, some of it's actually about cheering for the same guys for their entire career. And um, as a fan, you know, my experience is significantly degraded. If a guy like Marcus Smart gets traded for financial considerations or because there's some disgruntled yeah, superstar, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to win like that personally. Um, not my decision, but that's, that's just my two cents. Yeah. And it, it might be wishful thinking and probably a bit naive as well too, but like if there was going to be anyone on this entire roster who would take potentially like less money to stay on board, to stay with the team, so to push forward, I think it would be Marcus Smart. Like I think when Aaron Baines renegotiated, renegotiated his contract, he took a pay cut because he wanted to be, you know, a part of the team and stay with it. Now, Aaron Baines and Marcus Smart, as part of as for part of uh, you know uh, what they contribute to the team and their player profile are quite far apart. And again, this is probably the Celtics fan in me speaking first, rather than you know the professional athlete that's <laughs> going to try and make as much money as they possibly can in their short careers because you never know what's possible. So that's that's definitely always going to be the case. And we know what Danny Ainge is like when it comes to trades. But I just think if if he was traded, you know, it, it, it's going to have to be, or if he was moved on for the for the right reasons, it's going to want to be like you know a home run because. I don't yeah. think you would find many Celtics fans who would like take that news kindly. I think there would be, you know, it would be IT times two, but probably more 
to be perfectly honest, it would be it would be utter carnage, and it would have to be like like an absolute slam dunk of a trade or or a free agency acquisition to make us kind of get over Marcus Smart if we ever could. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I, I mean, I love Marcus Smart. I just I, the main thing was just I was thinking about at the beginning of this season and around draft time where we were rumored to be trying to acquire Golden State's pick, and who knows how valid that rumor was, but there was a lot of buzz that we were considering trading Marcus Smart for that pick. And I was trying to think of like, why would we do that? I mean, if we think the guy we're going to get in the draft, uh, Wiseman, I guess was a target. If we think he's going to be a superstar, then maybe it makes sense. And the other thing is just, if you, you draft someone, you're, you're stuck on that rookie contract. And if that's the path you go, then you could end up having someone of that caliber, a, a rookie under that rookie scale contract and still position the team to add a third long-term superstar next to Tatum and Brown. So I don't know if, I mean, Marcus Smart is an all-defense first-teamer. I don't want him to leave in any way. I'm not saying that. It's just something that I keep thinking about as we talk about the the guys on this roster, like Pritchard, who are starting to move up that. And and mainly, I was just thinking like what you just said, where if we're, uh, if we're talking about who the, the guys will be on the court at the end of the game, Smart, Kemba, Brown, Tatum, and then one of the bigs, your Tice or Time Lord, whoever that's, that's going to be long-term. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, if Pritchard's legit, is that is that someone you'd want on the court at the end of the game? And then who would you take out of the game to put Pritchard in? Like if Pritchard is as good as we hope he can be, and a guy who can shoot forty three percent, and and like can actually like you know make an impact on both ends, is that does that make Smart expendable? I don't know. It's just something that I've I been mean, thinking about. Just cast your mind back, if you will. I love Pritchard, but just and I'm impressed with what he does defensively. But just remember what LeBron did to Terry Rozier. Like in those in that in that <laughs> conference final series, he just sort him out yeah. and and just ground him into the dust. And and Pritchard, he's sort of like one of those guys that you know maybe in round one and two he he could even be on the on the floor at closing time. But man, against elite elite talent, like he's at the end of the day, he's a six two like target, <laughs> you know. And and it's probably not going to change. Who do you? Who do you- who do you think is a better defender between Kemba and Pritchard? That's what oh, I'm no, no, about. I, I actually, I well, I'm impressed with what Pritchard does defensively, you know. But that's a relative. To, that's a relative observation. Like that's relative to like when he gets, he does the right things. When he gets behind the, you know, behind the ball handler on the screen, he takes something away. He gets into the knees of the of the roller, and he takes that bounce pass away. Bloody good on you, Peyton. You know, at least you've done something. You're not just giving up. But it's what. Kemba gives you on the offensive end, right? You know, even if let's say they're even, maybe they maybe Pritchard's slightly better, you know. Um, but but he's what what Pritchard does offensively probably isn't going to to outweigh what what Kemba gives you on the offensive end. I think. What do you reckon? Well, I'd be curious what you guys think, because like that's that's something I'm thinking about. And again, maybe that's very lofty of of expecting Pritchard to ever be in, uh, in consideration to. Well, Either you know take to take smart or Kemba's role, but talking about end of game scenarios, that's that's interesting to me because I liked having Pritchard out there yeah, at the end yeah. of games, and considering he was that early in his career and he was already, I mean, had a game winner already. The guy obviously can be an impact player at the end of games, so maybe it's Kemba. Maybe Kemba's the one that you want to swap out because you want you want Smart's defense and you want Pritchard's playmaking and his shooting. Well, if we're talking about matching salary, I mean, for it. <laughs> We've got a max guy. Kemba, yeah. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. It's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. Also relative to to his play profile, he's a very small white guy. 
So when he does something, I was like, whoa, I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> Which is always, always stands out. It always takes you by surprise. He gets the Caruso boost in anything that he does. <laughs> Look, it is a very interesting thought as far as Marcus Smart and, and La, but I'm glad you took it in that direction because it, it's not just about the stress that Marcus Smart causes us on a, on a night-to-night basis on the court, but the stress that he and Danny Ainge might cause fans with the threat, if we want to call it that, of him <laughs> potentially being traded because he does have that very tradable contract. But we now move on to what we call the miscellaneous portion of this of this podcast, and I'm going to start with a comment from the post game thread today by user SWKKKKKKKK who writes Tice. Right amount of Ks. I didn't want to just have three Ks. That would obviously be inappropriate. They write Tice is clearly our best big, and user Fongos aptly follows up with yes and always has been <laughs> Fungo uh, sighting. nice and and i say this because we kind of want to talk about tristan thompson as well and how i'll say underwhelming he has been so guys um jackson i'll throw to you first compare and contrast <laughs> sorry to give you this assignment no that's okay daniel tice tristan thompson and we'll go around the room I'll stick mostly with, with Daniel Tice because I think Joe's going to bring the heat on, on Tristan Thompson there. <laughs> um, look, Daniel Tice has, is, he's never going to be that guy that you go to in, in like the, the important moments there, but he's proven himself to be completely serviceable, completely solid. And, you know, you would probably have him in your final lineup. We're talking about like the final lineups. I think like Tice is going to be, you know, that big, at least in the short term. If anyone's going to take that, it's probably going to be Time Lord because, you know, I, I'm not that inspired from what I see with Tristan Thompson, you know, and Tice over the last few games, I think bar that, that second Philly game aside, his last few games, he's been, he's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, I'm personally in favor of him start of him starting and that double big lineup that is, you know, much maligned and really doesn't, you know, get us anywhere. You know, I think if you're going to have to relegate anyone to the bench, it should be Thompson, but you know, what's he really going to, you know, bring off the bench? Just, uh, I'm not too sure, but nah, man, uh, like Tice, I think probably is our best big. I still think Time Lord is poised to take that that mantle eventually um but you know given what we've seen from him lately you know i think he has to you know have that have that locked down surely my thoughts on tristan thompson are um get him get him (laughs) he can't bloody catch that's my issue with him he can't catch the ball and uh, you know I, i probably tend to fixate on one little floor in a player teal uh, sorry, Teal. Teal. hogs it. Tristan. He is Tristan, from Tristan now on. would hog it, but he can't catch it. And he does that awkward thing. He's just unco as, man. Like, he's. Like, I, I don't know. I get, he is unco. I, sorry, can I just translate unco uh, is slang for uncoordinated for our, uh, our listeners north of the, uh, of the equator? Sorry, thanks for the translation. <laughs> but you know, he's just I live to serve. Like honestly, man, like if imagine you're at school, right? Right, and you're like you're you, you know, you're warming up and oh and walks the big kid, Tristan Thompson, you know? And then shit, he looks impressive, doesn't he? You know? <laughs> Hot and miss us. And then and then and then you watch him playing like, oh, Oh, he's actually not that good, <laughs> you know. Like, you know, it's great when he's aggressive, but man, he's limited. He's so limited. There was a guy. It actually reminds me. Quick story time. I went on basketball camp, and there's a there was a guy who played. He plays NBL, like Aussie NBL. There's a guy named Alex Pledger, and poor old Alex Pledger was 15 years old and six foot eight or something like that. 
and he could not do anything with the basketball. Uh, you know, he's gone on to have a, a really successful professional career. You know, he's played professionally for 10 or 12 years, so he righted the ship. But it reminds me sometimes of watching poor old 15-year-old Alex Pledger throw up jump hooks from, you know, you know the free throw line. He's just, he's not good. Like, how did I not know this? <laughs> you know? Alex Pledger's only 33 years old, uh, currently plays for the Southland Sharks of New Zealand. Maybe uh, Danny Age, give him a call. Well, yeah, if Alex Pledges, lose, right? if, if on, the, on the off chance that Alex Pledge is listening to this, no disrespect intended, Alex. Um, you weren't very good when you're 15, but you know you rounded into shape. Yeah. Uh, La Bert, the thoughts on the on the Tice and and Tristan Thompson comparison, if there is one. Yes, as far as the bigs go, I guess Thompson's our better rebounder. I guess that's the case with him. Um, I, one of his other positives people kept talking about is he's like a really really good screen setter. So maybe that will show some signs of life once Kemba's back in full swing. I don't know. But I, I like Tice more than him for sure. I mean, a couple of weeks ago I was saying Tice was probably a third big on our in our rotation. But Tice is the only big that we have that can spread the floor. He's he's the only one that can actually knock down threes, which is is, is a positive in the modern NBA. I still have hopes that Time Lords are our best mm. big. I mean defensively I think he probably is. You know, also like I don't know if I don't know if any of them are really starter caliber bigs at this point. Um, Tice is like a six eight solid role player. I'd love to have that guy long term off our bench. So if he's able to sign long term with us at a at a decent rate, then that'd be great. Tristan Thompson, I've, I was never high on him before he even came to Boston, so I don't really see him as a as a really like a viable and you know star caliber. You know, even you know star starter caliber center in this league right now i don't know i just he's he still feels like a role player to me as well so yeah i mean that's one of those things where if if time lord can't step up into that role do we look to make a move at some point to get a big that's where like the the rise of guys like neesmith and all those uh guys on our bench like um semi and all of them showing signs of life maybe you pivot instead of looking for a small forward back but maybe maybe we go in all, all in and try to find a big back a, a big upgrade but then i don't know who that would be you know, there was a, I made a post earlier because there are some fans who like Andre Drummond and it was interesting right after that hearing, uh, Mike and Scal and in the previous game, uh, talking about Drummond cause Mike was kind of like, Hey, maybe this is a guy and, and Scal was very much out on it. And by the end of that game, they were both out on him. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know who, who else we could target as like a, an elite big, unless you're telling me that the Timberwolves are blowing it up and trading towns. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who you, who you really target. I saw yeah. Rashawn Holmes was brought up on, I don't have the post in front of me, so I can't shout out the user, but was brought up as a potential like acquisition TPE target. But the, the question there was, would the Kings even be willing to depart with him? Or would we have enough to offer the Kings to, to convince them? I would have loved to if we got in the conversation for Jared Allen, but I'm basing that mainly off his hairstyle rather than <laughs> um, his game. You could probably talk me out of that anyway. But like, I, the one thing I will say in Tristan, Thompson, Tristan Thompson's defense, he's a great hype man. You know, if we're up by 30, it's the fourth quarter and Taco Fall, you know, splits defenders and dunks it down. You know, he's the first one, you know, waving the flag and, you know, jumping up and down. So, you know, that's totally that. Last thing I will say on the big, though, I think, like, if you're going to get a big, the only thing I really care about is can you can you blunt or can you nullify, even in just some way, a Joel Embiid or a Giannis right. or, a, a, a you know, Kevin Durant to a lesser extent, not the lesser extent, but you know what I mean, positionally wise, because that's really all we need to kind of be focusing on because Embiid will eat us, Giannis will eat us. 
we need someone in there who's going to like, you know, at least like take some of that production off. So if we're going to look for somebody, it's going to have to be someone who is, you know, the antithesis or someone who can just at least blunt them a little bit. Yeah. And that was the Drummond thing because Drummond is 6'11", 270 and, and, and our other bigs on our team are like 6'8", 230. I mean, they're, they're small, so Embiid eats them alive. But history shows that Drummond gets eaten alive by Embiid too. So I just, yeah. you know, just pay respect to the Embiid is just going to probably eat most players alive. So I don't know if you really, it's worth going all in for a big that's not really going to make a difference in that end. <laughs> yeah, I, I was disappointed with Thompson on Embiid. I was like, oh, like, I mean, is this actually an upgrade over what we get from all of our other bigs? Not really. I don't think. Yeah, meanwhile, Cantor had like 22 rebounds today. I'm sure that he let a lot of buckets go in based on his poor pick-and-roll defense, but it's, wow. it's worth mentioning in this, this context. Anus, yeah. anus, how, many yeah. of those, how many of those were offensive tip-backs, though? Like 17 of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in one possession. Yeah. Anus standing proud. <laughs> yeah, just flopping it out there, just putting it on display. Uh, user Childish Bond Vonnegut wrote, Tice over the last... Four games, some stats for you guys. 16 points on 75% from the floor, 5.25 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.5 steals, a block plus 55. I also tweeted out from our Twitter account, at Celtics Pod, go follow it, uh, that Tyus had shot, I think, 80% on spot-up threes over the last four games. That didn't include the Bulls game today, so that, that might have changed slightly. But, um, you know, if we, if we are going to run this double big lineup or ideally if we are going to have Tatum at the four and Tice at the five, the ability to stretch the floor and get guys, you know, like Embiid out defending him if he's shooting at that uh, efficiency is key. No one can defend Joel Embiid. Like if you think about a potential trade acquisition that we can potentially acquire, I don't think there's anyone really that can defend Joel Embiid. So the next best thing is getting him out, defending on the perimeter and tiring him out, drawing fouls like we almost did effectively in that second game against the Sixers um, and, and getting him off the court, whether it be from uh, reaching his foul limit or becoming fatigued. So Tice, yeah, I agree with the initial point that I think he's probably our, our best big. Uh, is any contesting that at all? Anyone want to put in a vote for Time Lord here? All in favor? <laughs> I put, I'm Time Lord. I'm Time Lord. <laughs> yeah. Time Lord in want, time. It will be. I want, I want more minutes for him. Yeah. I also should shout out that I've seen a lot of Reddit users keep pointing out uh, targeting Nikola Vucevic out of Orlando. Mm-hmm. They really want to go for him as a potential uh, long-term starter for us. I don't know if that's realistic. I don't think that Orlando is really interested in trading him right now, but I see people making that post quite often. Yeah, he's like their first best player, good player since like, <laughs> right. Tracy McGrady or I don't know. I guess Dwight, oh, no, Howard. Dwight Howard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joe, you look like you want to chime well, in here. Well, I was just I thinking, on. you know, I've, my mind's been thinking about Kevin Love lately. Like how would Kevin Love, let's just assume that we can make the numbers work. Blah, 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 blah. How do you feel like Kevin Love would fit in? <laughs> would he, I don't. Sounds like Brooklyn, Brooklyn might be going after him. Yeah, as a rumor. I remember they was yeah. going after Yeah, yeah. With what? Good, you know, good luck. <laughs> what have they got? <laughs> like, yeah. How, like, ser- it's a serious question. Is, is like, he not he, got left to trade? He's, he's over the hill, though, right? Is it fair to say, like, he his impactful days are behind him? I mean, presumably. I don't know. I haven't watched Kevin Love play in what feels like, you know, four years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he, he's, he's not someone you're going to stop Embiid with. No. He's going to be... Uh, no. But- yeah. You, you know, but he will rebound for goodness sakes, and that's um, that's that's our Achilles' heel. You know, it's rebounding, and he can, you know, he can shoot. 
I think with Embiid, you know, like if he shoots and he makes the threes, great, because it means he's going to keep shooting them. And guess what? He's only going to make them at a 30% clip at best. Like he'll hurt you, it'll, it'll suck when they go in, but it's still only going to go in at 30% rate. Um, I'm not, I, that's a win. If, if you know, if, if, if we've got a big man that forces him to take the threes, that's a win. Yeah, well, maybe some homework for next week is to find out who in the league is the best and most effective defender against Joel Embiid. Al Horford. And then let's, let's <laughs> Al Horford. Do, I was yes. going to say Al Horford. Yes. Back. Let's, sure. let's do half an hour on how to acquire that player. Now, look, we, we're we're going to rush through the rest of this. I, I'm conscious of the time. We're well over time uh, in terms of our average episode length, and it's like 10 past 2 a.m. there for, for Lava. Just cut out my Marcus Smart bit. Just cut out the Smart bit because people are going to hate that anyway. No, no, that was, that's good stuff. Uh, if anything, I'm going to rearrange that and we're going to open with that. Um, we're going to go with a, a comment from user King of Pants. This is also on the, the post game thread who wrote, Weirdly, we almost have too much depth now. The Bigs, Tice, plus Thompson, plus Rob are all playing great, creating a log jam at the five. You know, slightly contradicting what we just talked about. Grant is struggling everywhere except the five, where he still looks decent. Wings, Green, plus Semi have looked aggressive this season and are hitting their shots. Neesmith is playing respectable defense and no longer looks overwhelmed. Plus, Romeo is still on his way back. Guard-wise, Carson has looked. Uh, Carson has had a good couple of games, but it's come right as Kemba is working his way back into the rotation, so there are fewer guard minutes to go around. And we know Peyton Pritchard can play, and he's only out for a couple of weeks. Not long ago, we were desperate for our guys to step up. We talked about this in our Showcase Season podcast and LaBert's um, article of the same name. Now, they're all stepping up simultaneously, and it's going to be hard to give them all their opportunities. Is that, is that fair to say? Is, is King of Pants onto something there? Are we, are we too good all at once, all at the same time? Or is that maybe an overstatement from this user? Whether or not it's true or not, that's the best problem you could potentially have. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like oh cool, I have too many good things. I have to get rid of some of them. You know, I'd much rather have that than have like you know three guys who are okay and like what twelve scrubs. So regardless of whether it's true or not, I think that's a that's a that's a good position to be in. It's probably slightly overstated in my opinion, but. I mean, is there some truth to it? I think I think we've been on a nice little run, despite going. You know, we were one and three without Tatum. I think we've looked pretty serviceable. You know, on a whole lately. So yeah, sure. I think everyone's like playing pretty well, considering. Yeah, yeah. I almost brought it up earlier because as I look at the roster, I don't really see anyone at this point. Maybe Teague that I would consider like a negative asset. And even with Teague, I don't think you'd really consider him a a flat out negative asset. Like, is there anyone on this team you could flat out not? get a second rounder for would they just be like really would you be shocked by it like even javante green is showing signs of life everyone on the team is showing signs of life so it's good from a trade perspective like this is the whole idea is seeing if what these kids can do and then potentially um using them as assets that's the thing you know don't get too close to him you know like the pritchard thing's great that he's popped but that means that he is someone that can be traded always remember that you know it's a tough life being a fan yeah it is it's tough and look uh it's a tough life potentially being a listener of this podcast if you've stuck with us we're pushing 70 minutes now jackson's recording app is about to max out at uh 70 odd (laughs) minutes don't let people know i'm cheap and use the free version (laughs) (laughs) we are going to wrap this up but look that's what you get when you go a week and then we've got all four of us on the pod there's just lots to discuss and that's the nature of of deep deep celtics fandom so uh no apologies there we're going to end on this tweet from jared weiss who wrote stevens brad stevens has not gotten word yet 
if the Celtics are travelling to San Antonio for their scheduled game Wednesday, the Spurs versus Pelicans game tonight, <coughs> yesterday now, was postponed, so the Celtics are waiting to find out to find out, excuse me, if they have to fly all the way from Chicago to Texas instead of straight home. Not sure if there's going to be a Spurs game essentially in a couple of days' time, so stay tuned there. But more importantly, Lakers, Celtics versus Lakers. I think the Lakers are coming to Boston this weekend, and normally we don't do this, but if the game is that good, and I suspect it might be, uh, we're probably and I'm guys I haven't talked to you about this. So I'm springing <laughs> this on you. <laughs> We've got to do an emergency podcast after that game, right? If it's even slightly decent, Celtics Lakers first game of the season. Lakers just come off a championship win. It's LeBron James, yeah. it's Anthony Davis, Tatum will be hopefully cooking by that point. We got to do it. How excited are you for this game, Lovebird? Oh, I'm pumped, super pumped. Uh, I wish we had a little more time to get Kemba Brown and Tatum uh, kind of in a in a rhythm together before we played that game. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see us kick their ass. It could happen. Like, these guys are good. So, let's see what we happens. We did last year. I love it. We, we, kicked, <laughs> mm-hmm. we kicked their ass at home, and we should have won in L.A. Gordon Hayward blew a layup, you might remember, in the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> He's and not lost in his anymore. Career. <laughs> he can't hurt yeah. you anymore, Joe. Yeah. He can't hurt you anymore. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you, potentially, like I said, after the Celts-Lakers game. Jackson, Joe, Larbird, 33. Love your work, guys. Thanks for staying on so long, and thanks again. See, see you soon. Mate. Thank you, Ben, for suffering in that uh, shed, that corrugated iron ceiling here in 40 degrees. <laughs> I think I've dropped like three kilos in sweat purely to sitting here this whole time, so it's good. For it's you all good. Yeah. Multitasking. <laughs> all right, folks. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.